Rising Leader. This podcast was made just for you. Are you new to human resources or looking to level up in your career? Then this is the place just for you. We are fellow rising HR leaders committed to delivering content that will help you take your career to the next level. Each month, we will meet with subject matter experts to learn about the best practices for HR professionals and how we, as young professionals, can develop and then leverage our skills to help create better workplaces. We are your hosts, Jasmine and Nyla. Hey, Rising Leaders. We are back with episode two, Mask Off, a conversation about authenticity in the workplace and why it matters now more than ever. Joining us in this conversation today is a three-time TEDx speaker, international keynote speaker, executive coach, and award-winning author that has a track record for taking teams from functioning poorly and making them top producers. Clients call her university-tested and industry-approved. Her unique blend of advanced education and industry experience positions her to provide maximum impact to executives and high-potential teams. Having worked with clients like MARTA, Kaiser Permanente, the Centers for Disease Control, the Army Corps of Engineers, and the Salvation Army, Dietra takes her education and years of experience and turns them into results-driven actions for her clients. According to her, every organization has what it needs for optimum performance. Her job is to make what is already there work in a way that has never worked before. By optimizing employee performance, organization structure, and leadership, Dietra makes magic happen within organizations. She is a top-rated speaker for Sherm National and an expert at delivering presentations that help build leaders, accountable teams, and increase productivity. She holds a BA in English and Spanish, an MBA, and a Master's of Science in Conflict Management. She has served as adjunct faculty at the Federal Executive Institute, Georgia State University, Mercer University, and as a faculty member for Goldman Sachs' 10,000 Small Businesses and the Tory Burch Foundation. I am also excited to introduce you all to our second co-host, Marilyn Ample, who recently rejoined our Rising Leaders team. She is passionate about growing connections and building professional relationships. You'll hear her natural curiosity and zest for learning, growing, and having hard conversations through the episodes. Don't worry, you'll learn a little bit more about her background in episode three. Before we jump into our conversation today, I just want to share that at the start of 2020, I had the opportunity to hear Dietra speak about making HR count. In her opening remarks, she questioned the audience with, who gave you permission to be mediocre? As a young professional in the audience, I was immediately drawn to her presence and boldness. I was like, okay, it's 2020. This is my year. I'm going to step up my game and embrace my authentic self. But when I got home, I was like, Jasmine, what does that even mean? Since the start of the pandemic, I've had a lot of opportunity to think about who I am and what authenticity means for me. I realized I was experiencing what W.E.B. Du Bois coined as double consciousness. It wasn't until the end of last year that I felt comfortable going on job interviews with my long, knotless braids because I believe it made me appear less professional. But then I was like, what, Jasmine? This is who you are, and you need to embrace that very true and natural part of you. Authenticity continues to be a buzzword, so today we want to give our rising leaders a little more context around what that really means, because it could look a little differently for everyone. So, 
Ms. Giles, we would love to hear a little bit about your story and what authenticity looks like for you. So for me, authenticity is something different than what people often make it out to be, right? We think authenticity means being all of who you are 100% of the time, wherever you are. And that is absolutely not it. Sometimes we just can't take and don't want all of you. But it's about what you want and what you desire and how you want to show up. Now, let's be honest. There are parts of ourselves that we just don't need for everyone to know. I give the example of being a nudist. It is so okay for you to be a nudist. And that is authentically who you are. You just believe you should be bareback going through the world. But please don't show up to work naked. We do not want that type of authenticity, right? (laughs) So you need to decide there are some laws that we have to work around. There are some reasons I don't want to get fired. Mm -hmm. So showing up at work naked is not a good idea. Mm -hmm. It's your authentic self and you're comfortable with that. But here's the reality. When we talk about authenticity in the office and at work, it's about having a rationale for why you aren't displaying that piece of you. And being comfortable with that rationale. So if you show up as a black woman, when I show up with my afro and I think, you know what, I have to press my hair to show up to work. Why? Why am I not comfortable showing that piece of myself? And if it's because I don't perceive my self-image to be professional, to be attractive, to be what it takes to advance in the company, then that's where I have to question my authenticity. But if I show up and like, you know what? I'm wearing my hair pressed because today I felt like it blowing in the wind and I wanted my hair pressed. Mm -hmm. Then it's so cool if I don't come with my hair kinky. The question is, why are you hiding that piece? Mm -hmm. Are you hiding that piece because it's unacceptable there? Or are you hiding that piece because it's a piece like the nudist colony? I just don't need for y'all to see right here (laughs) and right now. Mm -hmm. So why am I not showing that part of me? And it took me a while to get there. I didn't just wake up one day and was like, oh, you know what? Despite what the media showed you, despite what you've been told, you are freaking amazing. Show up as you are. It took a minute. I went to college. I was in the corporate world. You are your black, your brown. If you're feeling frisky, wear some khaki, but don't step outside the box. And I was like, wait a minute. This sucks. I'm a colorful person. I like colors. I like my my father's Jamaican. We are a colorful people. And everyone should know that you've got a yellow necklace, (laughs) cheetah shirt, some teal on your glasses. And so she's showing up at her, as her no. authentic self. No black and white for you. Right. It's not my thing. And, and the, mind you, the necklace is huge. It's like mm-hmm. it's a statement mm-hmm. necklace. But I realized, you know what? One of my favorite people is Caroline Wonga, who's the new CEO of I Essence. I love Caroline Don't Wonga. you? Yes. In my head, she's like my best friend. She yep. doesn't know it yet, but we're best friends. We're going to meet her. Yes, we're going to meet her. Yep. And one of the things she says is she says... If you can't be who you are, where you are, change where you are, not who you are. Yeah, I love that. And that's what authenticity is. It's saying, can I be who I am right here? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, deuces. Yeah. Like, I can be gone. And that's where you really have to step into it. But the hard part is embracing the fact that you might have to say goodbye. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. what stops us from being authentic. Mm-hmm. It's like, what if... I can't be who I am here. 
Mm-hmm. And then what if I have to say goodbye? It's like breaking up with that guy. You're like, oh, he was kind of good, but this isn't good for me. Right. It's good for me. Good. I, I don't want to say goodbye. Yep. And it's being able to do that. And there's a lot of times where I actually had to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you mean professionally, personally, in terms of showing up as your authentic self and realizing it just was not the place for you? All of them. Yeah. professionally, personally, because here's the deal. We, we, we sell this myth and this lie of work-life balance. Mm-hmm. People often ask me, Titra, you have a husband, two kids, you keep bees, you own a business. How do you find work-life balance? And I said, I don't. I don't even try. Mm-hmm. I have work-life alignment. Yeah. And so anything I do in my work life must align with my personal life because those two, I don't step into this vortex when I walk in the office and like oh this is your personal professional life and when you walk out of the door you suck back in and now you get your personal life back no they have to be aligned Mm -hmm. I don't do anything in my professional life that does not align with who I am in my personal life Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting point and then I just also relate it back to a lot of people have read the book The Greatest Salesman on Earth. Mm-hmm. And they talk about in it how you have to divorce your yep. personal life and your professional life. And that was one of the biggest things I had an issue with was I need my coworkers to understand that I'm showing up as my authentic self because of what goes on in my life as a whole. Right. But even in addition to that, showing up as myself in terms of my sense of humor mm-hmm. or if I want to be more casual or if I want to present myself as more professional and those types of conversations are things that I need to be in alignment both professionally and in the workplace. But yeah. a lot of times you're taught... Mm-hmm. Do not have, have a, a double life, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, they they teach us to have multiple personalities mm-hmm. and make it acceptable until it's no longer acceptable, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. So you you should show up as I should be this staunch, never get upset, never have an emotion person in the office. This automaton where we don't have any difference in gender, race, ethnicity. We're all just robots walking through the office. And it's crazy to me because the thing is, just about every company out there has a diversity initiative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we go out there looking for diverse people. We find you and say we're hiring these diverse candidates, but don't be diverse when you get here. Right. Just look different, but be the same. Be the same. And that's just crazy. Yeah. Be like, yourself, but not too much. Yes. Right. Be mm-hmm. a little bit of you, <laughs> right. but don't go don't go too far with it don't come in with emotions don't be the person that has to watch for example a george floyd video and then come in the office upset because i know that i'm married to a person that looks like george floyd and i'm wondering what is the day going to be like for him because the world is going crazy Mm -hmm. and don't bring those emotions here Mm -hmm. you kidding me yeah and it's hard and i've seen during covid i lost my job and so i was working at a restaurant and i remember a coworker was having a conversation with me and she mentioned that our head chef who happens to be the owner's son mentioned, you know, I know everything going on out there right now. And she was a black young female and he is a white male decided to tell her, like, I know everything going on in the world right now, but that doesn't, that's not in this restaurant. That's not a part of your job. So you need to not essentially bring that up. And I understand not bringing it up Mm -hmm. to a customer, 
but also to be like, you need to shut down the fact that there are tons of protests and issues occurring right now to not show up as your authentic self of, I'm not always going to be jolly with a smile on my face because it's the real world and there's some tough things going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is that the younger generations seem to have a really good hold on that. Mm-hmm. But when you talk to some of the older professionals, they're the ones who are kind of um, discouraging the conversations yeah. in the workplace. And so how do we find the middle ground? Right. So here's the deal. One, when I talk to, about this generational divide when it comes to having these conversations, it's so easy One of the things I teach my students, I'm a professor at Mercer University, an adjunct faculty, and I teach my students, when you make a statement, you're setting up for an argument. But when you ask a question, you're setting up for a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so the easy question for those in that older generation is, what did you work so hard for me to be able to do? Yeah. I remember the first time I went to someone and it was an older black woman. She looked at me and she was like, baby, you're going to have to do something about that hair. Because I came I, I came into the workforce with an afro. I was like, and this was before it was popular yep. and common for people to have natural hair, yeah. black people to have natural hair in the Is workplace. Is it still? I mean, I still don't see it as a commonality it's to have getting, it in the workplace. We, it's getting better. Yeah. It's still not common. It's, still, it's not common. Yeah, yeah, it's still like, okay, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. But back when I, this so this was 1999. So it was okay. before... Yeah, before it, I was even thinking about having right. it. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was a while ago. And, and to her best effort, people will say, oh my gosh, I can't believe she said that to you. She was saying what she thought was going to be helpful. She saw me as a talented black woman. Mm-hmm. She knew I could go places. She was like, you can run this place. Yeah. But she had to straighten that hair. And I looked at her and I said... Did you work this hard for me to have to compromise who I am? Mm -hmm. And she said, no. I said, so what would it mean for you if I became successful anyway with this hair? And she said, it would mean the world to me if you could be like that and still get to where you're going. Mm-hmm. And we stay we still communicate today and she's like, "Girl, I can't believe you did it." Mm-hmm. And she like she says the, the words that we don't like, she's like, "Nappy hair and all, girl, you did it." <laughs> right? Yeah. But that's that's the thing. Remind them of what they fought for. Remind them of why they worked so hard. Remind them of why they had to compromise just so you could didn't have to. Yeah. And when I reminded her of that, it was like, "You know what? You're right. This is why I did what I did." So you wouldn't have to. They gave me the messages that they were given. Right. If you're right. going to be acceptable in society, you have to conform and look this way. Mm-hmm. Think about the Crown Act right now. Yep. California started it, but there was actually a case that went before the courts where a, a company offered a job to a black woman mm-hmm. and basically said, you need to adjust your hair. And she said, I'm not doing that. And they rescinded the offer. The company won. Yep. The company won. And what they thought was the Civil Rights Act will cover this. And they're like, no, not quite. Mm-hmm. And so right now what we're trying to do is get, there's no federal crown act. So we have states that are now passing crown acts to say you can't do that type of discrimination uh, race-based because it's not quite a, quite race discrimination. Mm-hmm. It's race-based. So they had an, an idea of what professionalism looked like and yeah. her hair was not it. Mm-hmm. And so what we see is it doesn't it's not even implied. It's flat out told. I remember graduating from college getting ready to go um going to career services. I went to Mercer and mm-hmm. and going to career services and the woman looked at me and said, "So what you going to do with your hair?" 
Um, what do you mean? This? <laughs> I mean, like, you, well, you mean I'm going to pick it out? Am I going to dye it? Like, right. yeah. put a part in it? Like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. She was like, you know, you need to straighten your hair. That was that was cute for college, was her statement. Yeah. But you're going into the workforce. So these are messages that we get explicitly. And it's also implicit as well, right? We, yeah. we get the, the messages. We look around, okay. You got overlooked for another promotion. I know I'm the most qualified. I know I know my stuff. Everybody in this office comes to me. But who mm-hmm. keeps getting promoted past me? Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And even in looking at, they did surveys with black women side by side. Same woman. One was with natural kinky hair. One was with her hair pressed. And people looking at the same woman gave the woman black woman with straight hair said she was more qualified, more professional looking, more apt for the job. Mm-hmm. Same I'm curious, woman. were they wearing... Oh, it was the same woman. Same was, woman. Was she wearing the same thing? Same thing. So everything was the same except her hair. Except her hair. Mm-hmm. And her straight hair, they said, this is... And so that's what it means to know that people can look at me this way and mm-hmm. perceive me a certain way and still say, I am willing willing to show up as this person who I know will be perceived the other way because I'm not willing to sacrifice that for myself. And so what kind of training do we need to give to our talent acquisition specialists, to our recruiters, oh, to gosh. our hiring managers to ensure that we close the gap? There is so much. Here's the thing. Everyone starts at diversity training, right? Let's get DEI training. Everybody's diversity training. And I'm like, you all. But it's more so to cover the bases as opposed to collaborative. Yeah. Here's the deal. We start at the wrong place. We're like, let's start at DEI. And I'm like, you all, let's start at civility. <laughs> Half of y'all don't even know how to talk to each other. Okay, yep. Before we get to the specifics of DEI and how to recruit properly, let's talk about how to be decent human beings. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, I love um, a Dr. Atira Charles, who created the Art of Unmasking. She's now head of... Um, inclusion at Moet Hennessy. She talks about the art of unmasking. She talks about how do you begin to, first of all, no matter where you are on the spectrum, how do you recognize your own stuff, your own criteria, where you fall actually authentically? And then acknowledging how that presents itself in comparison to how others show up, what categories they're in, and how those things come together and clash so we can prevent the clash and make right. it collaborate, right? Yeah, self-awareness is so important. So that's the yeah. first part. Mm-hmm. People want to yeah. walk around and they don't recognize that, hey, I actually have a bias. And mm-hmm. so how do I, one of the things we have to teach people is how to stop trying to not be biased. Everyone's like, let's mm-hmm. have tra- training on not being biased. That's some poppycock yeah. like you are not going to stop being biased mm-hmm. Let's we're trained to be biased we're and from people, birth. <laughs> just going from a hiring perspective yeah. people i wrote an article about how people make a hiring decision within the first seven seconds of meeting absolutely you. and so it's crazy so one of the things we have to do is stop saying stop being biased and say let's catch that biased thought before it becomes mm-hmm. an action Correct. Right. right? Yeah. What questions do you ask yourself mm-hmm. before you make a before you take an action? I always give the example of one day I, I'm a shopaholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello, I'm Deetra. I'm a shopaholic. <laughs> nice to meet you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in Pentagon City Mall in Virginia after mm-hmm. a client. So after tough clients, that's my release. Some people go out get drinks. I'm like, I go buy stuff. Right. <laughs> so I'm in Pentagon City Mall shopping, mm-hmm. and I notice. There's this guy following me. So here's the deal now. He's not going in the store. He's just standing outside of the store. 
And every time I come out, he goes to the next store, but he never comes in. So by the th- third store, I'm like, okay, if he does it again, everyone in this freaking mall is going to know that he's following <laughs> me, right? So I go to the third store. Sure enough, he stands up to follow me. Yeah. I swing around. And I'm like, hey, you guy in the blue purple shirt, khaki pants, and Cole Haan shoes, why <laughs> are you following me? <laughs> The fact that you knew he had on cool shoes. I had had scoped this guy out for three stores. In my periphery, I see this woman buckled over, and she is laughing so hard that tears are coming from her eyes and creating a puddle on the floor. Mm -hmm. This guy turns beet red. He leans in, and he says, ma'am, I am not following you. You and my wife are going to the same store. (laughs) Listen, y'all. I had developed a whole story in my head. It's so easy to do that. Listen, and I said, I went down the profile of a serial killer, Uh and I was like, he fit the profile, and I will not be on Dateline today. (laughs) I'm not going to make Dateline. Always protect yourself. (laughs) At least for doing what you love. (laughs) He had shopping bags, y'all. In my mind, there were ropes in those shopping bags. He was going to tie me up, put me in his trunk, and throw me in the river. Mm -hmm. Here's the deal. My bias made me miss that whole woman who was actually following me. She was the person going in the stores. Yeah. And I missed her because of my own bias. Here's the deal. What could I have done differently? Let First of all, let's back up. If I go to Pentagon City Mall and a man follows me through three stores, I'm doing the same thing again. <laughs> now, I need to ask questions. Hey, what might I be missing? Mm-hmm. Before I turned around and embarrassed this man in a three or four or five story mall because everybody stopped what they were doing to look around. Like everybody stopped. They were like, what is it's happening right now? <laughs> is he kidnapping this woman? Uh-huh. I could have asked a few questions. I could have said, wait a minute, let me let me look at some other things. What else is happening right here? Mm-hmm. What are my options outside of embarrassing this man? What is available to me? What evidence do I have to support? Let me observe a few more things because, wait a minute, this guy keeps collecting bags. Mm -hmm. And then one time he had a purse, and another time he didn't have a purse. Where did the purse go, Mm -hmm. right? So instead of saying, stop being biased, start saying, how do you catch that bias Mm -hmm. before that biased thought turns into an action? want to say it was like Rachel Lindsay from The Bachelorette. I mean, she's a great advocate. And she was talking about how it's not, it's no longer an acceptable excuse, though, to have that bias based on ignorance or Mm -hmm. based, so it's no longer acceptable to, just because you didn't want to take the time to learn these different trends or accustom yourself to these other norms that are actually a norm. so how much time do we give people to learn? That's a great Mm -hmm. question. I say we don't give them time to, we don't necessarily measure the time to learn. We measure the time it takes for you to have a change in behavior. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is it can be a process. I'll give you an example. I have a very good friend who's transgender. I knew this person when, I mean, we've been friends for decades, like literally decades. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with them from a kid being a male. Yeah. They're a woman. And they've always been, they like, I've always been a, a woman, right? Mm-hmm. But it took me a while to get my pronouns right. right. Mm-hmm. And I was apologetic when I got it wrong, but it was a process. And with, with her understanding, listen, you've known me as the male for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't expect you overnight 
to be Johnny on the spot. Right. right. But what he did, what she did expect, see, even there, but what she did expect was for me to make a conceited effort and see a change in behavior. So when I said he, it was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I am so, I'm, I humbly apologize. She, mm-hmm. getting those pronouns right. So I'm not asking how long do I give you to learn? Mm-hmm. I can see an immediate change in behavior. Right. Behavior can be immediate. And here's the reality. Like, like my back to my nudist thing, it's not illegal to be a bigot or a racist. Mm-hmm. It's illegal to let that behavior show up. Just like it's not illegal to be a nudist, just don't show up to work naked. Yeah. So I want to see your behavior align with what should be happening. Right. And don't be afraid to apologize and be vulnerable if you don't know something. If you, you don't mistake. know something. So how do organizations hold themselves accountable? Here is where organizations are lying to themselves and to us. Okay. Because when you stand firm on your values, it is uncomfortable for someone who doesn't align with those values to be present, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Think about think about religion. I am unapologetically a Christian. Mm-hmm. And my friends who are not Christian will say, Deetra, sometimes it can be uncomfortable because not because you push this on me, but because I know what your values are and I'm I'm always constantly thinking, mm-hmm. how is she perceiving my actions? Mm-hmm. Right? And I'll mm-hmm. tell them that sometimes it's not a good thing, but I want you to be clear about what I believe. I, I don't care. I do actually don't care what you believe. <laughs> I really don't, mm-hmm. right? But they know that I am so strong in my belief that it makes them uncomfortable to behave a certain way when they're around me. Mm-hmm. So if they do certain things outside of my presence, they're like, because of the values that you demonstrate and live, and I can see those things demonstrated, it's uncomfortable to be a certain way around you, right? Mm-hmm. So when I look at organizations and they say, oh, we embrace diversity, but you promoted someone who has consistently discriminated and you have these overturning racial lawsuits or sexism or people talking about sexual harassment. Do you really believe that? Give because, you the side eye. <laughs> because if your values were truly lived out of what you said you live, it would be uncomfortable for that person to be here. Mm-hmm. And so I say, you know what? If that's how you are, be your authentic self. But my company will not make you comfortable. You, If you can't be who you are, where you are, change mm-hmm. where you are, not who you are. And that applies to everyone. You can't be that way and be comfortable here. You're welcome here, but you're not going to like it. Right? Right? And so companies have to step back and say, why is it so comfortable for this type of person to be here Mm -hmm. if this is who we say we are? Because a lot of these people are very comfortable. Right. Right. When we think about diversity, we often run into a lot of misconceptions due to our own perceptions. What are your thoughts on that? have to be able to ask ourselves what did I make that mean that's really the essence when I go through my dare model that I talked about in my TED talk mm-hmm. and it's the describe acknowledge review and engage of mm-hmm. for a formula for how to have conversations around race the first piece of that is describe versus interpret mm-hmm. oftentimes when we have these conversations we're describing Mm-hmm. Right? Or we're interpreting. An interpretation is what you've made that thing it's mean. It's your perception. Right. Mm-hmm. But a description is fact. So I'll give the example in my TED Talk around um, this guy in a company. He's working with this black woman. And he took the way she spoke, her, linguist, her linguistics, as she's not intelligent. Right. right? right. And mm-hmm. so what he said was, she's not smart. 
okay, well, describe for me mm-hmm. what you mean by she's not smart. Well, when she writes, writes things, they're not grammatically correct or she doesn't speak with the Queen's English, right? Mm-hmm. And what she said to him, and he said, well, you know, I happen to know that she grew up poor and didn't go to the best school. So, you know, I guess that's part of it. Mm -hmm. And that gave her a chance to describe. And she said, so what I do on this team is I'm the engineer. Mm -hmm. I give the data. Mm -hmm. And she said, do you have questions about your data? Well, since he didn't know he wasn't describing, he was just saying she wasn't smart. He didn't recognize that she provided the data. (laughs) He's like, the data's flawless. It comes from her, right? And she said, oh, and by the way, I did go to some pretty bad schools, but my degrees are from MIT, right? right? But what he made, he made her vocabulary mean Mm -hmm. that she was not smart as opposed to describing, hey, she's like, well, I'm on this team and I give you what you need. How about you just write the report since your English is so great and I keep giving you the data that you need to make this project work. Now, once they started describing versus interpreting, they went on to kill this project. But they were flunking because he had stepped back and said, this is my interpretation. Mm -hmm. So asking ourselves, I see something. What did I make that something mean? Mm -hmm. I see someone show up in a bright yellow suit. What did I make that mean? Oh, they're unprofessional. Why? What well, makes them unprofessional? Why am I putting him in a, in a box, right? Why? Cause, right. And I, so when I show up, I purposely wear, I, I purposely break <laughs> the mold. I, I am comfortable because I like to get dressed. I really do. I'm the person that's like, you know what? We need to go to uh, to the grocery store in a ball gown because we haven't had a chance to do that in, <laughs> in a while, right? right? I'm like, I mean, yeah. The mayor's ball didn't happen. I'm like, listen, ball gown ready, going to the grocery store. But when I show up, I do that on purpose. I wear an Ankara or African fabric on purpose because I want you to look at me and say, and make you ask yourself the question, what bothers me about that? Mm. She's in a business suit. That's a business suit. So is it the color that bothers me? Mm-hmm. Is Oh, she's articulate. She's speaking well. She has three degrees. She's credentialed. She's done training for Goldman Sachs and Dollar Small Business. She does well, stuff around do you have the world. To say to the people who who think, oh, it's too distracting. I was that's, just gonna say that's, that's what we a, coach people. Exactly. They say is you don't want them to be distracted and, by what you're saying. And the question is, why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? Because when I'm in the room, when I walk in the room, you see me. Your your attention is focused on me, and shouldn't I be the center of attention? Mm-hmm. Yep. Why wouldn't I want to be the center of attention? Mm-hmm. I'm the keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. I'm on an interview. What else are you focused on in this interview mm-hmm. other than me? <laughs> right. All eyes on me. All eyes on me. (laughs) Do you like this necklace? Just look up a little bit and I'm talking right here. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. So why would I not? And and I want people to ask the question, wait a minute. This chick is spitting knowledge. Like, she knows what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. What is my problem? Mm -hmm. And when someone says to someone else, like, oh, do you think what she has on was over the top? No, and it's almost a bait and switch type of thing. Yeah, I remember uh, interviewing this woman, and she came in, and she—I mean, she quote unquote prettied herself up, and she had her hair and let mm-hmm. it grow and had it flowing, and she was all dressed. She came in the first day of work, buzz cut and everything. I was like, "Who are you?" <laughs> right, right. And she yeah. was like, "I just didn't think, ma'am." You can be a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, and I had to coach her. Listen. 
I am not comfortable with you being here because you aren't comfortable with your authentic self, self, right? right. How can I trust you? How can I trust you if I don't even know who you are, right? right? I feel like you lied to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I was like, girl, if you had come in like this, I'd have hired you on the spot. Right. Like, as her authentic self, she was freaking amazing. The person she sold me in the interview was like, eh. Yeah, like take the mask me. off. Yeah, mm-hmm. you take it off. She's okay, but when she came in as who she was, mm-hmm. I was like, girl, I, I, I would have even paid you more money, but it's too late. We signed the contract. <laughs> it's too late. You <laughs> already heard here. You already signed the contract. But I bet the next time, right. <laughs> she'll show up 100% right. herself. And she's like, you know, people aren't comfortable. Again, that's the place where you don't want to be. Yeah. The clients that we work with, love this they love everything i need people because you it has nothing to do with whether you're lgbtqia plus you are excellent at what you do right and the time that you spend trying to be someone else takes away the time that i need you being this yeah right yeah because it takes it i've been there it takes oh it's exhausting i was um interviewing for a position i was so excited to interview for this role um, I met with the recruiters, um, and the first thing she said, she was like, it's okay for you to be yourself. And I was like... Did you question that? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I was like... Like, vocally. Okay. No, I know well, not vocally. That's no. what I mean, is, you In know... Your age, like, I, okay. okay. Right. <laughs> and so I gave my regular elevator speech, just like I would for any super professional job. And then she kept, like, you know, uh, poking, poking, wanted me to loosen up a little bit, but I refused. I was just like, okay, nope, this is an interview. Listen. I'm going to stick to it, right? And then after the second... Do you feel second, like your career is an interview, though, that you never get to... Do I feel... Ooh, do I feel like... Your may, career a couple is a of constant years. interview. Yes. And so I would say that today I'm very comfortable in my skin mm-hmm. um, and embracing more of who I am each and every day. And so... I'm comfortable sitting here as Jasmine with my leather jacket on and my jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> introverted, listening a little bit more than I speak, right? And just super comfortable sitting in that. And I want people to know that that's what they can expect mm-hmm. um, when they meet with me. I'm always going to be super pleasant, friendly, upbeat. Mm-hmm. But it takes me a little while to process. And that's I like okay. to listen mm-hmm. and ask the questions that we are sometimes missing in the conversation. Yeah, you and definitely a, do that. And that's a powerful question, though. Do you feel like your career is an interview? And I tell people, your career begins when you stop interviewing. And a lot of people never stop interviewing. Mm -hmm. They're always on the interview. So they show up as this interview personality and they never get to be themselves. But your career doesn't really start until you stop interviewing. Yeah. When I see you in an interview or meet with you in an interview and I run into you at the grocery store, I want to see the same exact person. I don't know that you want to see the same exact (laughs) person. should carry with you, right? Yes. Yeah, I don't want to well, that's see you at a Sherman Atlanta event. Speak, yeah, and the way that I carry myself, mm-hmm. not what I'm wearing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I um, care a lot about how people uh, experience me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that. relationships are super important. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to treat everyone mm-hmm. fairly with a certain level of respect. Yep, I like to give them the same level of energy and enthusiasm every time I meet with them because mm-hmm. that's very true to who I am. Mm-hmm. I naturally just care about who people are Mm -hmm. and want to make sure that they are comfortable and okay in their environment. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And so no matter where you go, right. That's how I'm going to show up. You can count on Jasmine to show up that way. And that's how I am. It's like you get Deetra 
and and I I gave up a long time ago trying to conform. I mm-hmm. just I was like, this does not fit. I, right. I felt like I was. I was like, I got can't. Mm-hmm. And that was when I realized it was time for me to do my own thing. Yeah, like I can I can be who I am. And here's the other thing: I was willing to take the losses with what came with that. Right. I was so what did you sacrifice? Oh, my God! I was going to say, because I'm sure our listeners would want to know, it's, and and I'm also curious how long it took you to be comfortable with what you were Yeah, so you mentioned losing. 1999. Right. <laughs> if you right. don't mind me asking, how old were you in 1999? So, in, I'm 44 years old now. So, in 99, I was whatever you subtract from 21. <laughs> Lucky for you, I'm right. <laughs> so in '99, I was graduating from undergrad. Okay. Um, and I was going into the world and recognizing that the world was not built for a me. But I had gotten this message along the way. So as a little girl, I was a ballerina. Mm-hmm. I was always slender, but I was always curvy for a slender girl. Mm-hmm. And I remember being. <laughs> I love how you have to, but you have to clarify that you were curvy for a slender girl yeah but I remember being in ballet and my my ballet instructor always saying tuck your butt tuck your butt and one day I just fought back and said ma'am this butt does not tuck like (laughs) thank you this is this This is is the butt that you get this is what you gonna get I was like and I did and I had to be like Six or seven years old. And there were times when I, and she, I've heard her say, I would love to give her the prima, the prima spot, the prima ballerina spot, but that butt, oh my gosh. Like, she has to do something with that. Ma'am. What am I supposed to do? This does not tuck. <laughs> <laughs> right? But learning oh that gosh. there was something that made you not quite fit in that you could not change. And so at some point, and what I what I did, though, is I recognized I like these things. Mm-hmm. About Why? yourself. Yeah. That's part of that authenticity is is trying to conform to what people tell you you should be, right. whatever their perceptions of you are, mm-hmm. and being able to step back and say, I, you know what, I. It's funny. I remember a Jill Scott song and she was singing live, mm-hmm. and there's this this song she has called "Get in the Way of My Feelings," and in the song she's talking, she, yeah, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> right. That's that's my jam, right. So in the live version, like she's talking to this woman who's. She has a relationship. Jill Scott has a relationship in this song. And there's this other woman who is an ex, apparently. And she's trying to get involved. And she's yeah. like, no, your relationship is over. Mm-hmm. Ours is here. Yeah. Go about your business. The woman doesn't go about her business. <laughs> and it doesn't go so well for the other woman. And she says, people are like, I can't believe you talk about beating this woman up because you're supposed to be nice. And she was like, first of all, I never said that. Mm-hmm. You, you attributed that. that I was nice. Right. Yeah. I never told you I that was nice. nice. Right? Mm-hmm. And she's having have you ever heard though like others perception of you is reality. is reality. It's their reality. It doesn't have to right. be yours. Right. And that's the problem. We make their reality cuz their perception is their reality. Right. It's not my reality. But where reality. do the realities cross paths? Right. That's a great question. The realities never have to cross paths. Yeah. Why not? Right. Because I can leave you in your reality and be comfortable in mine. One of the things I tell all all of the young people that I mentor 
keep your finances in order Mm -hmm. so that you can make life decisions and not money decisions. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of us that are afraid to make decisions and show up as our authentic selves Mm -hmm. because we can't afford for this to go the wrong way. Okay. Right. You know, I got my first job and I brought a BMW that's Uh half of my monthly salary. salary. Mm-hmm. Right. So I haven't saved enough money to look this company in the face and say, no, this is abusive and I will not tolerate this. I'll walk. Right. right. And so we have to keep sometimes authenticity costs. Right. It costs you money to be authentic. It costs you money to be able to say, you know what? This is not right. I will not tolerate it. If it doesn't change, I leave. But here's the thing. Authenticity costs, but authenticity also pays. And that's the piece that I want our young professionals to realize. There is someone that wants to pay you for who you are, but they can't find you because you're pretending to be, be someone else, else. right? Yeah. Wow. And authenticity pays. We see it all the time. Think about there are people. So I'll use an example. I use it all the time. Cardi B, don't at me. Not my favorite <laughs> person, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the deal. If Cardi B cared about what I thought and was trying to conform with what I like, she would be dead broke. Mm-hmm. No one would pay her to be mm-hmm. who I would like for her to be, right? right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so she can't conform to Deetra. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to be authentically you because that's where your bread is buttered. Exactly. Because guess what? I'm not buying you a Bentley. Mm-hmm. I haven't bought myself a Bentley. <laughs> and I'm sure it'll give you enough to buy your boyfriend a Bentley. Right. Like, your baby's mm-hmm. not going to have Gucci pampers on mm-hmm. if, you, if you're doing what I yeah. want you to do, right? Mm-hmm. So authenticity costs, but if you stick with it, it also pays amazingly yeah. well. Today, people pay me good money to be Detra. As you're searching for your next opportunity, you be as much of an interviewer as they are interviewing you. Right, Make right. sure that you're going to places where you can be yourself. Ask the questions of, okay, what's your DEI plan here? Mm-hmm. What does your executive team look like? Really asking the tough questions. We don't ask the tough questions because we're afraid of what our response has to be if the answer isn't right. I want to know, what will my experience here be like? A huge thank you to Deetra Giles for being the very first guest on our podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation about why authentic leadership matters in the workplace now more than ever. The Hey Rising Leader podcast was brought to you by the Sherman Atlanta Rising Leaders. Sherman Atlanta is the premier professional community for those in human resources and people management. The Rising Leaders Group represents Atlanta's HR professionals under the age of 35 and provides members with professional development opportunities and a common forum to share ideas and experiences. If you would like to join our community, please visit the Sherman Atlanta website or follow us on our social platforms at Rising Leaders ATL on IG or Sherman Atlanta Rising Leaders on LinkedIn.